Hey, Mystic Michaela spiritual family. Welcome to Know Your Aura with Mystic Michaela today. We are talking about rewriting reality with a narcissist, how narcissists tend to create a narrative surrounding around how they want reality to be and how the unaware empaths in their life get sucked into supporting it. But first, hey, Scotty. Hey, guys. You know, before we get into uh, all this stuff about narcissists and empaths today, I, I honestly want to be say that, you know, I didn't know what these terms were. Like if, you know, I, I'm thinking if I go back, you know, five, 10 years ago and you said, what's an empath? I'd be like, what are you talking about? You know, it's not even a term that was in my vocabulary. Narcissist wasn't a term that was in my vocabulary either. So, you know, what's going on today? I mean, these, these terms are thrown around a lot. I hear them all the time. I mean, I know we have one in the family, but uh, one of each <laughs> in the family. Uh, but, you know, yeah, what's, what's up with that? I, you know, I don't, I don't quite get it. Yeah, obviously these terms are overused. I mean, and as I've grown on this podcast and I've learned more about these things, like the thing is, is when when you actually have one, like a diagnosed one in your family, like, you know, you know, the destruction that they cause, like, you know, you know what they've done to you. Like when, and you understand in your awakening exactly how much hurt and how much potential they sucked out of you. Like you recognize that, but Throwing around the term narcissist, you know, obviously that that diminishes its destruction. I'm not a professional. I do not diagnose people. That is not my job. You know what I mean? And I don't think it's a lot of our jobs. But here's the deal. What I do know about a lot of us listening, a lot of you listening, is you will pass off behavior, whether it's from a narcissist or a jerk, just a jerk, you will pass off behavior because you feel like you have to be tougher or you need a thicker skin, or I can put up with it because, I don't know, they're having a bad moment in their life or whatever. The thing is, you can be supportive and loving and a friend to somebody and still care about how they're treating you, and a lot of us don't realize that. So whether somebody's an actual narcissist, which we just kind of use here, that term, or they're just acting narcissistic because they're in a jerky time period in their life, it's important to recognize some of these things um, that even without a diagnosis, if somebody's not being nice to you, you don't have to put up with it and you can set boundaries. And yeah, it's, it's, and the word empath gets thrown around a lot too. That's for right, sure. Right. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, I'm an empath, you know, so, so I can yell at you or I can tell you something nasty about yourself or, you know, I could, I can, cross your boundaries because I'm an empath. So no, like an empath is an excuse to be a jerk either. An empath is an excuse to be consistently victimized by something. Being an empath is, you know, as we talk about in the recovering empath episode four and uh, episode 110, it's about stepping into your power in, in a kind and sovereign way where you put up boundaries, but that doesn't mean that you're insulting people or hurting people or encroaching on their boundaries themselves. So it's about personal responsibility and not an excuse. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Like, let me give you an example here. And then you, you kind of fill in, oh, is this narcissist okay. behavior? Okay. Is it a narcissist? Does it even matter? Okay. You know, let's say someone decides to take out a credit card in your name. <laughs> okay. They take out the credit card in your name. Yeah, twice. Yeah, <laughs> two times. <laughs> Didn't happen to anyone. Oh, no. no, no. Oh, okay. no. And, you know, then they... They spend money on it. They max it out. Yeah, max it out. They actually buy you things with it. They do. Which and you they, thank them for. And you thank them for it. Yeah. Okay. 
And then they ref- they don't pay the bill. Right. So the way you find out that someone took out a credit card in your name is that eventually the credit cr- creditors start calling you yeah. and say, why didn't you pay this you know, Discover card or whatever, Amex right. card? And uh, you're like, well, I don't have one. And then you figure out that you do. Right. So And then uh, you confront them and they say, how dare you? Right. Um, how ungrateful you are. How horrific of a person you are for 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 I guess letting me know that I took a credit card out in your name and maxed out twice and ruined your credit. <laughs> right. um, yeah. So, so that's narcissistic behavior. So it's narcissistic behavior. 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 I, I right. mean, you want to diagnose them, whatever. Not this person actually was diagnosed, but like whether you want to diagnose them or not, that's still not nice. Exactly. It's so just it's, not cool. So at the end of the day, it doesn't really, I guess, matter. It doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter if they're called a narcissist, <laughs> yeah. narcissistic behavior, it's not jerk, nice. whatever you want to yeah, call it. Yeah, and them. they weren't spending it on like even anything that was like, um, I don't know, like let's say a, like a bill for their sick cat or something. Okay. It was on, no, on nonsense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, we could go on, on and on with these if we want to. Right. But I think we get the idea that. They, they, it doesn't really matter no. what you call it. And it's and also patterned behavior. That's the other thing. It's not once. This is, these are, this is behavior that happens constantly to you from the same person over and over again in different forms. And then when you confront them about it, it didn't happen that way. Okay. What, what about if, let's say, all right, now this one. All right, this is a death issue. What, what if someone dies in the family? Okay, you have a death in the family, uh, a tragedy. And then the person says, you know, hey, I need you to quit college for a while or whatever you're doing. I need you to quit your job or college, whatever it is, and, you know, help me through this. Is that a narcissistic behavior? Do they have support to be helped through it already? Yes, they have other people that can support them. They're married. They have other kids. Is, it, is that something? Yeah, what I you, mean, what, listen, I'm sure it's a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Um, does, you know, and you already live at home? You don't live away. You nope. already live at home. You already live at home. So you just you're you're there. So it's just like a couple hours a day. You're not there because you're going to college. Like you're commuting. Yeah, that's yeah. that's like very selfish to ask somebody to do that. Okay, so it could, so it could be a selfish behavior. Yeah, it doesn't mean that the person's an actual narcissist. No, no. Right. <laughs> what if the person tells you, you know, makes up this this story that they were at a concert. They were at a Cat Stevens concert. <laughs> Uh, they were in the front row. Cat Stevens pulled them up on stage, and they they danced with Cat Stevens to the song "Father and Son." Very detailed. Sounds like it could have possibly happened, but you know you you have doubts on that. It sounds that, like a grandiose kind of attention-seeking story, unless it happened, right? Which you know it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> because if you ask them a year later, they should remember, and they that. didn't. And they didn't. They didn't. Okay. Okay. They so didn't. That, right. okay. All right. So we we have a lot of examples here. All right. We have so many examples. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're gonna do a little ad from Framebridge. When we come back, I am going to do some real. Uh, what, what do we call it? Reality rewrite. Reality rewrites. I have to tell you all about an amazing new service I found called FrameBridge. FrameBridge makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things without ever leaving the house. Add a gallery wall to your home office or send the perfect gift from art prints and diplomas to the photos sitting on your phone. You can FrameBridge just about anything. So here's how it works. Just go to FrameBridge.com and upload your photo. 
or they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. Preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. Choose your favorite or get free recommendations from their talented designers. The experts at FrameBridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. Instead of the hundreds you'd pay at a framing store, their prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, my listeners will get 15% off their first order at framebridge.com when they use my code KYA. Order online at framebridge.com or stop by a Framebridge store to work with a designer in person if you're in New York, DC, Atlanta, Philly, Boston, or Chicago. I love Framebridge. I use it all the time now. I had a huge picture framed of my babies when they were little and I hung it in my hallway. It took Two seconds to hang because they give you the hanging kit, which is always a stressor for me. Well, it's not a stressor with FrameBridge. They give you everything you need, the nail, the hook, everything. It's right in the package there with really great instructions. Very simple. Get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift, which I've done too. It's a great gift. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code KYA to save an additional 15% off your first order. Just go to framebridge.com, promo code KYA. That's framebridge.com, promo code KYA. Hey, Scotty. Hey, guys. So we know that narcissists like to rewrite reality. It's what we're going to be talking about. what I'm going to be talking about today. But, you know, I think you had an idea... Yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing, you know, so far in life, you know, for me, things might not have gone gone exactly as I planned, yeah. you know, I'm a late bloomer. <laughs> you are. You know, I just got smart maybe five years ago, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of went through life in a coma for like X amount of years. Yeah, you recently woke up. Yeah, I recently woke up and, you know. Maybe, you know, my, my backstory isn't that great. You know, you, everyone <laughs> your, knows I went to jail for throwing eggs. Your origin story. Yeah, my origin story needs a little makeover. Yeah, narcissists uh, love an origin story. Yeah, so I'm thinking, wait a second. If these narcissists can come up with, like, stories about Cat Stevens and dancing with Cat Stevens and all that stuff, I could do it too. Sure. And I'll just do it to fit my narrative that I need. So you're, good, so you're telling me that from now on you're going to start telling people just straight up, Yes. False narratives about you. Yes, exactly. And then what's going to happen, I think, over, I'm going to like get into the part really well, and then I feel over time I'll just believe it. That's what happens to narcissists. Yeah, I'll just believe uh, But it. then you're going to have to pull in some unaware empaths to like believe it too for you. Yes, and that's great because I have all of you guys. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> all well, right. we're aware, but okay. <laughs> well, that's true. You're aware. You have taken the empath. You did the empath starter kit and all that stuff and taken the classes with Mystic Michaela. But all right, here we go. First, you know, I went to Harvard. Whoa. Yeah. You're starting there. I went to Harvard. Okay. You got prestigious school. I just bought a hoodie from Amazon. It says Harvard on it. Okay. I got it in a couple sizes, colors. Is it the official merch? Official. Can you buy, is it like Disney? I don't know how this works. Like, you know how Disney, you can't buy like the official merch unless you're in the parks. Like you can, but like the official park merch. Like is Mm. Harvard like that too? Like you have to actually go to their on-site store? I don't know. Well, I feel our next vacation, we will go there. So you're just going to sneak on campus and like buy one? Yeah, I'm going to just buy one. Yeah, you don't have to sneak on. They have tour. You can do a tour of Harvard. Do you think they let you buy the actual, like, because I bet that there's... Just like the Disney thing, this is how I have to compare Harvard, unfortunately, in my life. Like that they don't let you buy certain sweatshirts unless you're actually going to school there. No, well, most people think that. Most people think there's like a whole, it's like a gated community. Like yeah. You have to like, you know, show ID and all these things. And yeah, I would think To get in, so. show your SAT scores. No, that's not true. <laughs> At the door? Yeah, yeah, you show them. Like if you get under, you know, I got under the mark. If you get under 1,300, 
you can't get in. They oh. won't even let you in the door. I wonder but, what no, the that's real not true. score is. You could just walk there. You can? You, you can walk have you done that? Yes, I have. Are you yeah, really? Yeah. Oh, because you bent there. Yeah, See, I tried to get you. Yeah, you did. Okay. What'd well, you get on your SATs to get into Harvard? Oh. You got better people prepared for these Almost a perfect score. I had the same score as Doogie Howser. Um, <laughs> all right. So anyway, you know, I have me- very fond memories of there. Um, oh. One of You know, one of my memories is that I w- used to go to the Dumbarton Oaks Library. <laughs> Do you think? Yes. And, so you-, you know, this is a library that has a lot of books um most of it's about gardening and landscaping so like if, yeah i had to take a class on it you it wikipedia those, this i think i did not you you had to take a class you know like you know how you, you have to take classes outside of your major oh you do so it was, yeah i took gardening and landscaping and it, you know they we went all around the world and they showed us different landscapes and topographies and you know the desert the rainforest all that stuff how come you can't grow a garden in the backyard well well <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I, I failed. I didn't do well in the class for Harvard. I got a B plus for that's Harvard. Bad. Standards, that's failing. That's yeah, failing. I failed it. Yeah. I got Can you B+. sing their alma mater song or something? Whatever those are go called. Go Crimson Tide. Yes. <laughs> go Tide. Go Roll. I think that's the go wrong tide. one. But you know, I, I do recall you know making you know scheduling appointments to to view the rare book collection. Uh, Mondays at nine thirty. Okay. That's when it's just, available. I don't think you're good at this. It's too specific. That, well, that's what you got to. You got to be specific. But they're gonna ask. So like, people to are gonna really, ask you questions. Right. So ask me about my housing situation. Like, did you enjoy Greek life? Yes. Okay. So I lived at the Kirkland House. <laughs> is that Greek life? I. You know. I. I don't know. But George what? Washington. How do you not know? Well, it is Greek life. Yes. It's Greek life. <laughs> George Washington. Officers stayed there during the Revolutionary War. I don't think I don't think people talk like that. They, no, they go do. There. Well, hey, I took part in the Secret Santa Week at Kirkland House. Uh, we dress up as elves. Yeah, it's a thing you do. Um, all right, you know. Name look. name three friends, first and last names. What from the from thing? Harvard? Yeah. Okay, uh, Zuckerberg, <laughs> Schwartz, <laughs> yeah. Neil deGrasse, <laughs> and you know, of course. Uh, you know, I was a member of the Harvard rowing team for a while. Oh, you know, you me row. and that other girl from Full House, whatever, <laughs> the, well, the daughter from... We yeah, were both, Becky's daughter. We were on the team together, 1999. All right. I'm picturing a big Photoshop Scott head on something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And yeah. I mean, people now call me doctor. So, um, you know, I put it on all my credit cards, like applicants, I put doctor, doc, Dr. Scott. So. You do actually do that on your hotel reservation. Yeah, I do that now. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So I went to Harvard. Okay. So I don't think that plan's going to work. Right. I think narcissists are better at that than you. All right. Well, I have another one too, oh, okay. because, you know, again, my background could have been better. My, my backstory could have been better. Um, most people don't know this, but there was for a time, it was a short time, a six member of the Backstreet Boys. Really? That was me. Whoa. Yes. Um, it was very short term. I had a falling out with Nick Carter. Okay. Um, over what? Well, it was over a song. Okay. It was a song. It, you know, okay. You know, we all know the song. I want it that way. Yes. Okay. It was, first of all, it was supposed to be, I want it Scotty's way. Uh, that was supposed to be the title. You had like an artistic conflict. Yeah. So it was an artistic conflict. And if you think about it, you, what's the first line to the song? Do you know, you know that song? No. I mean, I know it. You're okay. on the spot. I don't. You are my fire. Okay, what Whoa. is my last name? Whoa. You are it's about me. The song I is about me. It's Scotty's way. Yeah. <laughs> you are my fire. You know, my last name, right? Yeah. Firester? Yes. Yeah. Whoa. It, yeah. Fire, it didn't ring. Can you know. bust a move? Can you show us some choreography? Well, I'm gonna learn that. Oh, um, I thought you already knew it. You were the sixth member. Well, I gotta relearn it. Oh. Like rewrite, relearn. Yeah. <laughs> Who is the choreographer's name? 
Who's your manager's well, name? Well, okay. Well, yeah, here, okay, well here's the okay. thing. We, we, we formed in Orlando. And <laughs> you're just, you're so funny because, like, you think you can rewrite history by knowing all these, like, weird historical, like, back facts about things. Well, and, and people don't ask those. Like, people ask, like, what was somebody's name or, or yeah, what was well, the okay. first city that you went to? Okay. Or, okay, fine. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. we formed in Orlando. And um, at that time, we were just playing like malls. Our first gig, you want to know what our first gig was? Yes. SeaWorld. Okay, that was good. Yeah. That's good. That's SeaWorld, a good detail. Yeah. And here's the thing. I, this is, I don't get credit for this. I, I went to that. And this is also one of the reasons why I quit. Because SeaWorld does horrible things to the animals. So that's why you quit. And I was one of the first wow. people to say, hey, when I was there performing... What are you guys doing to the That's whales? That's like a hero narrative. This, is, you, this works. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing to so the So you quit Backstreet Boys because you didn't agree with the SeaWorld first gig. Right. And also that they didn't put my name in that song. And uh, yeah, yeah, I want it Scotty's and, way. Yeah. And honestly, I was really <laughs> tired of Brian and Kevin bringing up their family drama. You know, their cousins. And they would always bring up their family nonsense. I See, didn't want to hear about you're it You're better at this one. This one's it. more believable okay. in the weirdest way possible. Yeah. Just because... Now, why don't we see you in any of the photos or whatever? Oh, I was, oh once Photoshop came into play, I was out. They just blurred you they out. They just blurred me out That's of the picture. That's horrible. You could do that. Do you have any merch left? Like baggy pants or graphic tees or I had, hair gel or frosted it's, tips? It's, it's in storage. <laughs> It's all in storage. It's in a locker in Orlando. How come you don't have any tattoos? I feel like they all have tattoos. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. These are the questions I would ask if somebody actually told me they were in the the six Backstreet Boys. Okay. Well, for right now, I mean, it's starting to become my reality. I feel part of the group. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. After this, okay, I'll call Kevin. All right. So we'll make up. You know, I'll have to hear about his Aunt Sally's drama. Okay. Okay. You know, the other thing that I did, many people don't know this, that way back in the day, okay, I met. Jeff Bezos. Did you? Yes. He's the founder of Amazon. Yes. Everyone knows that, right? He went to Princeton. So I went to Harvard. Oh, oh, rivals. Rivals. Yeah, we were rivals. He always felt a little inferior to me because I went to Harvard. You know? Really? Yes. Um, I, you know, I met him at a rowing match, of course, when I was rowing. Oh, okay. Um, Did he row too? Yeah, he was rowing for Princeton. Okay. I think. You know, I think he was the towel boy. Yeah, he okay. was the towel boy. He was the towel yeah, he boy. Did, okay. He did roll, only I roll. And it, we, we ran in the same circles, you know, like those <laughs> those prestigious you colleges. We ran in, yeah, so we would come into contact with each other here and there, you know, if there was like a polo match or something, we would meet, you know, sip tea or whatever and do all that nonsense. But here's what happened. He invited me on this road trip, okay, from New York City to Seattle. All right, interesting, okay? Now... It was a long trip at that time. You know, we didn't have phones to scroll on and, and things like that. There was no TikTok. What kind of car were you in? Oh, it was it was a beat up car. Okay. Yeah, beat up car. Um, he you know he didn't have the billions that he does he does now, now yeah, right? He, you know, he only millions. Um, so I figured, all right, why don't I bring a book? So I was looking through my books. I had an overdue book from the Dunn Barton Oaks Library. Oh, we're 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 going to do the Jeff Bezos thing with the Harvard thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> It was it was a choose your own adventure, and the book was called Lost, Lost on the Amazon. Okay, the book was called Lost on Whoa, the Amazon. Oh, you gave him the idea. Yeah, which I got from the gardening section from the rare books at the Dumbarton Library at Harvard. It all fits together. Yes, if you're still listening to this, I apologize. <laughs> but uh, you know, I was enjoying my book, and you know, every once in a while, I'd see him eyeing it. He'd be eyeing my book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that you gave him the idea. Where do you think the idea of Amazon came see, from? See, it's just like a narcissist to, yeah. to take credit for an idea. Yeah. That now, makes sense. Yeah, and I, he never gave me anything after that. Although he did call me up a few weeks ago and he said, hey, look, do you want to go on my flying rocket ship? And I told him no. 
He yeah. said, fine, then I'm going to go with Strahan from, you know, Good Morning America. Right. Michael Strahan. Okay. Because planetarian scare me. Otherwise, I would be on that rocket. <laughs> okay. I would have seen okay. space. Space, yes. All right. So here's the deal. You too can rewrite reality if narcissists can as well. This is what you're trying to tell us. Yes, that is exactly what I'm trying to say. All right. We'll see how successful you are at that. You're a little bit... Like your facts, like I said, are a little bit historical, oh, not like current, well, but I'll, <laughs> I'll work on them. I'll make it more believable. Yeah, you got to believe it. It's going to become reality, and you know, well, that's true what narcissists, yeah. they, they, yeah, they yeah. believe their they own truly stuff. Believe they it. truly do. Yeah. Right. And and maybe it's not a lie if you believe it. That's right. You know. Yeah. We're talking about the nature of reality. Last yeah, week. if you believe that's your truth, maybe that for them that's that is that could be your truth. Yeah. So you're not lying then, I guess, in a way. All right, we have a couple ads, and then when we come back, you're going to talk about rewriting reality with narcissists. What if you could use science to discover more about your body all year long? Give yourself more clarity and better understand your health and wellness with Everly Well at-home lab tests. Everly Well at-home lab tests give you physician-reviewed results and personalized insights so you can take action on your health and wellness, all at an affordable and transparent cost. With over 30 tests, you'll be able to choose the ones that make the most sense for you. Food sensitivity, metabolism, sleep and stress, and thyroid are just a few of the many options. Here's how it works. Everly Well ships your at-home lab tests straight to you with everything needed for a simple sample collection. Using the prepaid shipping label, mail your test back to a certified lab. In just days, your physician-reviewed results and actionable insights are sent to your device. And you can share results with your primary care physician to help you guide the next steps. I have been dealing, I was dealing with like bloating and discomfort for a really long time. So I took the food sensitivity test and wow, um, two of the things I was most sensitive to, I was eating like every day (laughs) and with the elimination diet, I was really able to curb those issues. And I mean, just the insight is priceless. For only $24.99 a month, the Everly Well Control Membership puts your health and wellness in your hands with proactive testing. Select one qualifying at-home lab test of your choice each month and enjoy membership benefits like exclusive offers, savings, and more. And for listeners of the show, Everly Well is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test with everlywell.com slash KYA. That's everlywell.com slash KYA for 20% off your at-home lab test, everlywell.com slash KYA. What would life look like if you didn't have high interest loans or credit card debt? Would you move to a new city? Would you maybe start off things differently in life? Through Upstart, you can pay off your existing debt quickly with a personal loan so you can tackle your next big financial goal. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. Upstart knows you're more than just your credit card score. So rather than looking at your credit score alone, Upstart's model considers other factors like your income, employment, and other information provided in your loan application to find you a smarter rate for your loan. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score in just five minutes for 
loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You could even receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash KYA. That's upstart.com slash KYA. Please don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash KYA. I was really interested in the topic of how narcissists rewrite reality. And so I wanted to talk about that today from an aura perspective with the hopes that in understanding some of the patterns you may see in different aura colors, you might be able to more readily identify them in your life and also be more self-aware about your your own roles that you can play in these specific reality bubbles of narcissists. Um, okay, so narcissism is a personality disorder, and I am super not an expert, 100%. I'm not a professional. I don't diagnose people. I don't want to diagnose people at all. What I The way that I approach it is from more from an energetic mind frame. You know, narcissists and narcissistic behavior can come from actually being one, but it can also come from somebody who just lives without a ton of self-awareness and have maybe developed some really bad habits. It can come from being a flying monkey, meaning that's an empath that has absorbed the agenda of a narcissist and therefore they can act a lot like the narcissist themselves. Um, It can just come from somebody who is maybe around uh, a narcissist for a long time and instead of going one way, they went full in and they're that way themselves. So here's the thing, no matter the reason for why somebody's treating you a certain way, it doesn't, and I think that we have to be careful with that as, as um, absorbent and highly sensitive people, which a lot of us listening, a lot of you all listening are, is that we are really, we're really quick to give excuses to the people that treat us not so well. It's just who we are. It's what we do because we feel that inner child within. And one of the biggest things that I did to help myself, and I'm still working on it, is you have to see the, so that somebody's actions and behaviors towards you are separate from, from who they are inside. And when they align and you know somebody's good inside and they're good to you, that's great. But when somebody's good inside and not nice to you, you, you don't have to stay there for that and you don't have to deal with that and you don't have to be the one to fix it. So that's, and that's important for me to try to tell you because I had to learn that myself. If you haven't listened to episode four, The Recovering Empath, or episode 110, which is the Empath Starter Kit, I highly recommend because I talk a lot about the unique, I guess, process and the download that I received from Spirit in regards to what I call the Recovering Empath, which are the steps all empaths kind of go through and need to understand about themselves to live your life as authentically and as free as you possibly can. But again, I'm not an expert. Um, and as we talk about these things and you think, oh, wait, I've done that before. I've done that narcissistic behavior before, or I went through a phase where I did that, or, or someone's done that to me. My friend did that to me a couple of years ago. It doesn't mean, I mean, we all, that's the thing. Like we all have our moments. (laughs) That's for sure. This type of behavior is like narcissistic behavior. It's a pattern. So it's somebody that acts this way all the time. It's like they're, they're consistent about acting 
for number one, who they are. They're very consistent about being looking out for number one themselves. So keep that in mind. It's not a phase that you went through or a phase that a friend went through where they were just going through something and they weren't an awesome person or couldn't be an awesome person for a while. That's different. You know, we all go through stuff. This is a pattern, a pattern of behavior. So in psychology today, um, I was reading this interesting thing. Um, okay, so expecting special attention and feeling entitles, entitled are key features of narcissism. Uh, there are times when, without realizing it, even an ordinary person can get swept up in this narcissistic frame of mind, which they call the narcissist bubble. However, narcissists can enter a more permanent place they call the narcissistic bubble. So as I said, it's different than a phase. It's a more permanent location of the bubble. And here's the thing, like making sure that it doesn't burst uh, and creating an impact with the reality the rest of us are more familiar with, that's their number one goal subconsciously. Therefore, and this is the link here between narcissists and empaths, is there's a lot they need you. They need unaware empaths and programmed empaths to maintain this bubble. So they need empaths, which can feel other people's feelings as their own and absorb reality and pretend it's real with them so that their bubble does not get burst. So a lot of times narcissists will just feed off empaths to make sure that they get the information and the support and the confidence that their narcissist bubble, that their false reality is real. And a lot of us, when we're unaware or programmed, we do that for people. And when you realize that that's something that you did, then it's, it's a, it just, you get set free. The relationship between what I call recovering empaths and the narcissists or people that act narcissistic is what is really fascinating to me. So these narcissistic people are in need of constant love, attention, adoration, adulation, and unaware empaths. When you don't know you're an empath, you don't understand what your power is. You're in need of constant outside environmental validation. So your emptiness feeds theirs and their emptiness feeds yours. Unaware empaths are programmed to be basically service machines to people who are in constant need. Maybe this is how you were raised for whatever reason, that your only worth is by being a constant fixer, constant here, I'll be, I'll be there for you. You're needy. Let me fix it. Let me be here for you. And narcissists love that. They eat that. They, they're hungry and they never get full of that. Um, unaware empaths never check in with their own feelings because they're not taught that they need to do that. They're not taught that their own reality is as important as other people's. So maybe like your whole life, you've been kind of, you don't, I mean, it was a big deal for me to kind of understand that light bulb over my head. And it was just dealing with people outside of my own world, new people and stuff like that, that made me realize like, wait a second, like, other people's reality, just because somebody thinks something and they really believe what they think doesn't mean that's real. And when you're a programmed empath, that you weren't taught that. You, what somebody thinks or feels, that's the most important thing to you. And it's your job to support it and make sure that it stays secure for them so they feel safe. And that's your worth. So us unaware empaths at a time when we were unaware tend to find people who agree with this type of behavior, one in which someone else is more important than themselves, and that would oftentimes be narcissistic people. 
So when you break out of that need to kind of like constantly support other people's realities, you're going to lose a lot of narcissistic people in your life, which can be very stressful because sometimes they're family members, sometimes they're parents or siblings or spouses or best friends, um, coworkers, bosses. Uh, and all of a sudden you're left in a different spot and there's other people for you. Trust me. And there's other relationships and there's other situations you can go to, but you got to go find them. And that can be very, very scary. But we're talking about reality, reality today and the nature of it for narcissists versus the rest of us. Um, so their reality is the unaware empaths reality because that's what unaware empaths do. They absorb a reality of someone else and coexist within it. So the leaving of the reality the narcissist has made is like leaving home. It's like leaving familiarity. It's leaving love that you know, that you think is love. It's more familiar to live in their fantasy than your own reality. And they have you so down on yourself with confidence that your reality doesn't even feel good. It's not even important. It feels kind of empty and sad. It's not hitting the marks because you got so used to outside validation. The only one that matters is theirs. The only reality to the narcissist that matters is a narcissist. And letting you live in it becomes some sort of privilege. A lot of times, unaware programmed empaths, uh, flying monkeys, which are, again, empaths, unaware empaths that absorb the agenda of the narcissist and go do all sorts of things um, to their to their benefit, um, they're almost, like, proud that they get to live in this special person's reality. And then, like, everyone else is like, why are you serving them? Like, who is this person? Why are you so scared of this person? Why are you constantly defending this person? Like, why is this person, like, so great? Why are you upholding the narrative? So narcissists who have their own version of reality. Um, and that, so the only people that can be around them are the ones that support it and live in it too. You can't be part of their reality without believing in it. And unaware and programmed empaths, like, you believe it. So when somebody comes and tells you like, hey, uh, no, <laughs> like all this is nonsense, you can get defensive. They look for this in you. Narcissists look for your loyalty this way. They test for it. They will severely shun, shut out, and attempt to destroy anyone who does not believe and collaborate within their reality, their narcissist bubble. The narcissist creates this fake version of themselves, like a fake self. This is the fake self who they want everyone to see that they are, that they wish they were, that they think they are really. Deep down they know they're not, but they think they're this person. And all their stories center around keeping in line with this image in the head of who they are. It's not them at all. It's totally fake. So people who first meet this narcissist meet the fake self. And if you've ever been in a relationship with some sort of narcissist for a while, you know you're supposed to support the storyline of that fake self to new people who enter the realm, which can get very stressful, anxiety-producing, almost paralyzing to you with the responsibility. And what's the number one thing that happens? You often are like, no one will believe me anyways, so I might as well go with it. For example, let's say you have a narcissistic parent who's abusive in whatever ways to you, horrific to you all the time, doesn't care, cruel at best, maybe other times just non-existent or, or ambiguous in your life, has zero care or concerns for your emotional or physical or well-being, and then a new neighbor moves in and stops by. All of a sudden, their arms around you, okay, they look at you, they, they, oh, the, the neighbor's like, look at this. You're so lucky that your mom slash dad is this person. I wish my mom was like this. Wow. And then what? You agree. 
Yeah, my mom's great. Yeah, my dad's awesome. You have to. Feels like a whole lie. The fake self is someone you have to uphold that image of and never, ever let on that it's this like duplicitous relationship from the one you have with their actual narcissistic self. Because there is no worth in you, you've been taught, if you don't uphold that image. That becomes part of your identity as an unaware slash programmed empath. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So there are types of narcissists, I see, based on aura colors. They can change the way that they rewrite the reality. So I just wanted to go through each aura color and kind of give you... I don't know, like characteristics from that aura collar, how it's going to play out in real time. Couple notes. Aura colors are not bad or good. They're just aura colors. It's like a filter. It controls behavior. All right. So like there's no bad color at all. Um, I just want to make that clear. It's just aura and, and every single aura color can be a narcissist. Every single one. They just kind of change up how they do it. Sometimes the ones that are more easily recognizable are kind of like the red narcissists or the yellow narcissists, even sometimes the green narcissists. Those are the ones that can be a little bit more easy to spot or more like seen. And those are the ones that are more talked about kind of in movies or literature, kind of more, everyone's more upfront about it. And then the other ones, like the empath color ones, (laughs) those are the, those are more kind of covert in their behaviors. But let's go through each one. I'll start with reds. Reds often have this like hero complex. So they were right and everyone else is wrong, all right? They're used to that. They don't mind conflict. So let's say they get mad at the waiter. Well, you better be mad at the waiter too, okay? Like if you start, you know, if you're with the red narcissist, they start screaming at the wait staff. Well, if you go back and you're like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Oh no, you're disloyal. You better be angry too. There's a sense of total and complete domination over the people in their lives they are They feel they're smarter, more intelligent. They feel like they have this code of ethics, which is better than even the law. They feel like they often get treated unfairly. They feel like they're they're totally wronged by other people. Often constant conflict. That's a big thing with the red narcissist. There's always conflict. There's this need to be the most handsome, beautiful, richest, the most devoted of all people to the ones in their life. They need to be the hero. It's a big thing with red narcissists, and that's what their reality looks like to them. Conflict and heroism, and then being kind of sometimes the anti-hero. Yellows. Yellow narcissists are kind of like, there's only one reality, and it's mine. Okay, I'll tell, and I'll tell you what it is. The feelings that you had, the moments you experienced, well, check with me for what happened. Because unless I tell you what happened and how it happened and how you feel about it, it didn't happen. They need to be the most correct, elite, 
and the best. They're the ones that can have like that bit of, yeah, elite vibes. They're better than others. They have more class, maybe more socioeconomic status, more pedigree. The reality they have is one where they're basically dealing with minions 24-7, and it's a nightmare for them to be around such ignorant peons. They'll find little things to nitpick or critique to kind of get you off your game. If you go against them, you are just as lowly and disgusting as the other people that we have to deal with in life. And you don't want to be lowly or disgusting to this person because, man, they feel that way. That, that's the thing with their reality. Like, it's true to them, okay? Like, it's true to them. And if you love someone and someone's reality is true to them, it's hard to separate that. Like, you want the person you love. You want to live in that same bubble with them because you love them. So you want to kind of do things that agree with their reality so you can be with them. But they're the ones making that arrangement. They're the ones making that distinction. They're the ones saying you you can't be you and be loved by me. They're saying you have to do what I do and do what I say and believe what I believe and live in my reality to be tolerated by me. Otherwise, nothing. No relationship here. Green, narcissistic people. Greens. Kind of like if you don't live in my reality, you cease to exist. Greens can, green narcissistic behavior people can like definitely cut you off. It's their way or no way. They can tell you what reality is. And if you aren't going to play your part within it that they like, that they want. And sometimes it's a bad part. Sometimes they want you to be bad or they want you to do something not right. Or they want you to go against your morals or something. Um, You'll become invisible to them. They are smarter, more intelligent, more intellectual than anyone else. They have an extra special way of showing their love is conditional. They can feel very cold, yet also extremely desirable. It's almost as if you evaporate if if they don't see you. You cease to exist in their mind if you don't play along with their reality. And for an empath, this is horrific because you can feel yourself erasing from their entire mindset, heart, Psyche, how many of you have I read with a narcissistic green parent figure? And what did they do? They pressed delete on you. Like, and with the coldness of pressing delete on the keyboard, delete. And they go off and, and have uh, more kids with someone else. And they, they have nothing to say to you. That's what green narcissists do. They'll delete you. And because in your reality, which you tried so hard to be part of, you feel deleted because you are it's horrible i just want to give you validation if you've been through that because it's very tough blues okay as we go into the empath or a narcissist we're talking about blues purples indigos turquoises these are more difficult (laughs) they invoke more they evoke more sympathy or something they're kind of like better at playing the emotional card of things Dare I say it, they're more lovable. So these are the harder ones to spot. We'll start with blues. Blue narcissist realities include a narrative of victimization, which, man, that is constant and consistent. They are the victims. In any sort of rewrite on that where they actually aren't a victim, they will not accept it and effectively have a major emotional breakdown and reactions to it. Sometimes even health breakdowns and reactions, they'll bring their health into it. Oh, my heart. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll bring up the actual health issues they have. 
They need to be fed a storyline of like basically, oh my God, woe is to you. Poor you. And be fed the narrative that they were given the short end of the stick. There is no talking about anything positive to them because they will spin it. And if you actually hold them accountable for something they actually did to make someone else a victim of them, they cannot deal with any personal responsibility. In their reality, when you are not accepting of their reality, you become the horrific monster perpetrator person to their victimhood. And when you love a blue, you do not want to be the perpetrator because you know all the other perpetrators. And man, they they get vict- and man, they get talked about. And people people get really angry. Like like the flying monkeys go crazy, man. And even like the outliers, the people that just hear about it. Like, oh, lady sitting next to you in the waiting room or something. Let me tell you about my daughter-in-law. <laughs> like, everyone's like, whoa, that's horrific. What a terrible person. If I ever see her, I won't like her. You know, that's what happens. Nobody wants to be the perpetrator in their reality. Purples. Oh, they're real good. They're real good because <laughs> purple narcissistic people because purples are so great at kind of like picking up the nuances and they're very intuitive that way they can really set somebody out that doesn't fit in with their reality of being weird disgusting undesirable not cool someone to be made fun of if you don't accept their reality so there's an in crew and an out crew and you want to be in the in crew you want to be in the in crowd um it's like mean girls you know you, you like she hated them she hated Regina George, but she needed, she needed to be liked by her because in her reality, they were just so cool. So she needed that. She needed that so bad. You know, that's the thing with purples. Like you can be, fear them, these purple narcissists. You can fear them, but you just want to be part of that reality anyhow. They will create, like, if you, if you step outside of their reality into a conflicting one, they will create storylines around you, create friend groups to go against you, create basically believable scenarios where you become some sort of social pariah in the friend or family group if you do not go along with how they perceive reality, whatever that is. There's a lot of like, I I call it drama testing. They're in some sort of drama cycle. And if you don't react appropriately, like fawning all over them or roping you know, stop, I'm sorry, stopping your life to basically listen to them, you become the next target of their attacks. So it's kind of like dodging, dodging being the social pariah. You got to dodge it. So it's almost, and then you end up, and this is awful if this has happened to you, but you can sometimes in their friend group, like, oh, let's, let's point, let's point the finger somewhere else. So it's not on us because it can be very vicious and man, they hit below the belt. Indigos. Yes. Indigos can be narcissists. Any aura color can be. Colors don't make you good or bad. Intention does that. Okay? Your intention is what matters, not your aura color. It's just important for me to remind this. And again, these could be actually narcissistic people. Again, I'm not a, I'm not, um, I'm not a professional, and we don't diagnose people here. Okay? But people can act narcissistic. So sometimes their behaviors, like I said, it doesn't really matter. It's just like how somebody treats you. And if it's a pattern, it's time to cut them loose. So anyways, indigo narcissists can be a little bit more complicated though. They have these like psychological layers to them. So they can go in deep and get kind of believable, making them harder to spot. They have this reality where they're kind of smarter, more analytical, more understanding of the scenarios in life than anyone else. They do tend to isolate completely and absolutely entirely if people aren't following their reality. They're harder to spot. 
says because they still are into goals, even though they're narcissistic, they really don't care about people being in their world as much as other aura colors. So they can be kind of like narcissists on their own, right? Like it's into ghosting narcissists. It's not funny, but it kind of is because they're still indigos. They don't need, they don't need a whole crew. They can, they, they can be alone and have their own reality. Be fine with that. I guess the problem with them is um, they can totally disappear, but they'll take a few people with them. So let's say your brother marries an indigo narcissist. Uh, bye, brother. Say goodbye. You're never seeing him again or the kids. Okay. It's kind of like, damn. All right. You know, that indigo narcissist, like indigoasted my entire family. Um. When, when my sibling married into him or, or married into that family. That's what they'll do. The, a lot of estrangements can be caused by that, that type of situation, an indigo narcissist. That's just one example. Turquoises. Okay. Turquoises have a hard time living in a... Turquoise narcissists have a hard time living in a world with personal responsibility. They're super big on telling everyone how they think reality is. And if somebody has an oppositional opinion they will absolutely freak out they cannot handle anyone else disagreeing with their reality some narcissists or like the difference with turquoise is not liking other people not agreeing with their reality versus like everyone else is turquoises will go after you for it they don't they won't just be like we're done they actually will double down in trying to get you They'll double down on their own reality and they'll double down on getting people to believe in it and they'll double down on getting you to believe in it too. So kind of like a turquoise narcissist, they can come after you a little hard because they're going to be like, no, this is what happened. See, see, see. And and they will not let it go. They're like very absorbed in making sure they're not confronted with the fact that they were incorrect. It's like they can't deal with – and I think that's because – uh, turquoises naturally do absorb into other people's realities. So if if their narcissist bubble bumps against your reality, they absorb it and they want to kind of almost like exercise it from their own narcissist bubble. And they have to do that very actively, if that makes sense. So so that's that. Pinks the thing i mean may, i just don't have enough information you know like with pinks and i'm sure there are pink narcissists out there but like honestly the worst i've seen out of pinks is when they're kind of just selfish and oblivious i mean that's like the worst i can see of them so far in life they do have escapism things so it's possible that they love their alternate see pinks already live in their own kind of reality usually it just happens to be a really sweet innocent one which is just like not harmful to anybody and the way that they love people is by bringing them in so they can have escapism too but i guess like a pink narcissist would do that in a negative way i just don't have any examples for you because i haven't seen that yet if i see it i'll let you know all right so what what do we do what do we do okay time to recognize when you're dealing with people who are hell-bent on what their own reality is it's time to break your pattern of supporting it time to ask questions give different perspectives recently you know because yeah, i don't know like growing up a certain way and then like having a different friend group has been helpful to me you know because i see how it's supposed to be 
versus what I thought it was supposed to be, you know, which is why I do all these episodes on it. So recently I was with some friends because an, an incident had happened and I was with friends and we were talking about it and everyone was just giving their own perspectives as to what happened. Okay. This is normal. <laughs> this is normal. It wasn't finger pointing or accusations. It was just like, well, I think that this is what happened and, you know, and, and kind of like above what was going on to a solution, but not a victimization narrative. There wasn't some sort of revenge narrative. There wasn't some sort of, um, there wasn't any anger. It was just, wow, this happened. These are all our thoughts of the perspective of it. And they were different. Everybody had kind of different and, and everybody's listening to each other. And that's normal. When talking to a narcissist or somebody who displays narcissistic tendencies, you can't do that. Your only insight has to be the one that they've given to you that supports their reality. Normal conversations, this might be news to some of you because it was news to me, are about let's see it from this angle. Let's see it from that angle. Let's see what it's, let's see what it is, you know, without some sort of blame game going on. Not this one way ever of seeing something from somebody, some, from one, you know, bubbled up person's perspective. When you grow up around this programming, it's hard to reprogram yourself for relationships where this is, you know, more viewpoints than the one person's you were always used to supporting. At first, it can seem disloyal or mean to think about other ways reality can be interpreted away from the one mindset that you're used to. But honestly, stepping into your power as an empath is about going inward, inward, and asking yourself these questions. So let's talk about how to check whether someone is rewriting reality or not. So, you know, the world <laughs> for a narcissistic person is basically a retelling. They, they love to tell a story. They're the rewriters of their own history. They're, they're, they, lo- they always have like, um, it's funny, they always have, you'll see kind of like patterns. They have the story of themselves, kind of like an origin story, like Spider-Man or something. And they'll give their, their own origin story. But the, the story seems to have a pattern to them. They were, you know, where they were the main star or the victim, you know, center of attention either way. And the best one amongst the sea of people who either noticed it and adulated them for it or, victim side, didn't notice them, made them feel an outcast for their brilliance. And anyways, in either way, they're always a shining star in a dark night. So they, they tell a story about themselves. It's like, wow, you, you really think you're special either negatively or positively. That's the difference. Like sometimes like with the, like when I was talking about the green, yellow and the red narcissistic things, it's more like, I'm the shining star. I'm the best. I'm the right one. I'm the, but with the, you know, blues, indigos and turquoises, I'm victimized, you know, with the purples. It's like, I'm the only normal one. Everybody else is weird like that. Um, Lots of times you'll believe it and defend it to others too. You want to believe it. It's a really nice story. You know, also ask yourself inside if, if you're hearing these stories over and over again and you feel defensive of the telling of it, that's a red flag. Like if somebody kind of like always has a story about themselves or something and somebody else questions it and all of a sudden you get like really upset, take a minute and just, just take a minute and step back and be like, well, how do I know that's true anyways? Was it just a retelling or I've, I've seen behavior that, that actually backs up what they're talking about? Um, you want to believe things deep down, recovering empath style. You know that 
the thing is, and this is where it really comes up, you know that they need you to believe it and they need other people to believe it. Like you're just protecting their their subconscious inner broken child. Over time, if you're doing this for uh, a spouse or a family member often or a best friend, you can get very defensive of the made up reality of the narcissistic person in your life. And then you start to hold the shame for also believing it deep down. So you wish it to be true. And oftentimes that's how it keeps going on. You don't want to constantly have been defending something and believing something and creating a whole identity around something that wasn't true your whole life. But that's part of the recovering empath process is breaking that and going inward. And that's why in that process, I talk about getting angry, you know, getting victimized, getting angry. Like those are normal steps. All the stories that they tell tend to lead to praise, shock, glory. There is some moment in their retelling of history that you are shocked like anything that they are telling you that happened. And this isn't, like I said, once or twice is a repeated pattern. So it's like some sort of event in their stories where it's like, that that person seriously said that to you? Like, I've never seen that ever happen. Like, where were you? Who does that? Now, when you're dealing with an actual narcissist, you can't ask those questions, all right, because they'll, they'll come after you. But notice that. Like, when you can, if you retell it to somebody else and they're like, what? Nobody says that to anybody. What was she doing to get that response from some, that None of that even makes sense. Wait a second. That can't even happen. Like, the law of physics doesn't even accept that is true. So notice, like, if things are, like, unbelievable, but you're not allowed to question them. And also they sway the story to get you to think the way that they want you to think. So retelling a story normally is like where you just tell what happened and there can be like a lot of different perspectives. Like, oh, maybe this happened. Oh, maybe that happened. When a narcissist retells a story, it's like, oh my God, like they lead you to believe and get like one answer. So they already kind of have how they want you to respond set out. And, and it's just naturally like corrals people to the conclusion that they need. And like I said, this isn't just once or twice. This is all the freaking time where, again, they're either the star or the victim of the show. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about rewriting reality because it's something that we've been talking about reality last week. And we're talking about reality in a different way this week. And it's just a little red flag to help you point out behavior in others, behavior in yourself, um, so that you can just make the best choices for who and how you deal with the people around you. Hey, Scotty. Hey, guys. Uh, Mr. Michaela, would you mind for now calling me Dr. Scotty? Hey, Dr. Scotty. introduce me? Uh, You know, I could go to Harvard. I studied at the Dumbarton Library. Yes, lots lots of little facts there, anecdotes. Um, Listen, I hope that from today you just took that a lot of times certain people in your life can distort reality and a lot of you are empaths and empaths in such a deep way that you feel to love somebody is to believe them all the time and not question them and step into their reality a hundred million percent and sometimes those people that you do that for don't really deserve it you know um the people that do deserve it it's a beautiful gift you can give them that you see them and validate them but the people that manipulate that and use that to keep their own falsified reality at the front and center that's not something you have to do anymore so i hope that just helps you maybe recognize those people in your lives who may be using your beautiful gift for their own benefit and not for the benefit that it's really meant for. Your beautiful gift is meant to validate the people that need it. It's meant to nourish and see and love the people that can pay it forward. 
So just trying to hope that it's helped you the way that this realization has helped me a lot. And that, that was really my goal today with that. Yeah, that's good. I mean, for me, you know, when I deal with someone who's a narcissist or... <laughs> well, they don't like you. They don't. They, usually they don't go near <laughs> me. But um, if they do, you know, my, my always thought is just take away their power. You know, just that's how I deal with it. My, that's my, my What do you take mean by it. that? Meaning like, don't let them have anything over you. Like once they have no power, then there's nothing they can do to you. So what do you mean? So meaning like, let's say if, I don't know, let's just make up an example. Let's say they, you know, they pay one of your bills every month okay. or something like that, or okay. they pay your rent or, or whatever. Or you live with them. Or you live with yeah. them or you rely on them for a car ride yes. or, or some, things like that. What I, my, my thing when dealing with someone like that is just don't need them anymore that's really powerful because once you once you cut that away once like you know oh they well i I gotta listen to this because they pay my phone bill or i gotta listen to this because they pay you know half my rent yeah if they can't do that anymore and they and you don't need them for anything then they they're powerless it's just like words that they're saying yes you know that's so powerful yeah a lot of people who've escaped um these types of relationships in their life actually go on to be super you go on to be super successful and self-sufficient because you just don't ever want to owe anybody anything which can be a problem on the other end later because there's good people in your life that do want to help you and don't expect negative things in return but like yeah so if you're living with this person try to find a way out of it if if they're still on you know well yeah like you said like part of the phone plan or something yeah and i I do want to say this that you know back in the day and i know this is harder to do than set because sometimes you do need that ride or you do need that money or you do need that you gotta survive you know for me to just say that it's easy to do yeah it's not no you have to survive i do remember you know back years ago when we were together saying there's gonna come a time where that's how i'm gonna do this where i'm gonna say we're not gonna need this anymore yeah we're gonna be totally independent yeah and then you have no power i remember saying that to myself many times in my head when things were you know going like i don't know what you call that the narcissist route yeah. And they were winning. Like yeah. it felt like they were winning. They're manipulating. And they were manipulating. They're their, manipulating yeah. your weakness. But I always said, you know, all right, they got me now. Right now they got me. Yeah. But there's going to come a time when they don't. Yeah. And that's exactly what we did. Yeah. And again, not the easiest thing in the world no, to do. No, it's taken like years. <laughs> Year? Oh, yeah. It took me years. Like I said, I just got yeah. smart the last five years. Right. So. No, it's definitely a journey. It's a journey. Yeah. But yeah. when you make a stride, please take credit for it. I yes. mean, that's something I had a hard time doing. And, and when you make a stride, like, Try make sure somebody else doesn't take that from you. Yeah. Like that's your accomplishment. That's something you did. And people, I guess you don't have to need somebody to show them that you love them either. So you don't have to stay dependent on somebody. You can make choices to get independent from them. And and if if it's supposed to still be a relationship, there'll be a relationship. Yeah. That's a good point. Thank yeah. you, Scott, for for presenting that nuance. Yeah, which I think my, a lot of us are. Yeah, that's how. Have, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because you my, live with them. Or yeah, that's something. my take on yeah. it. Yeah, that's good. All right, of course, your stories are the best, you all. So please share them over on the Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family page. Just so you know, on the Facebook group, there is an anonymous posting option. I want to tell you that because I think sometimes you get ner- like people get nervous, like, oh, I don't want to put a, my story out there um, on, the, on the group, even though it's a closed group. You know, I, so you can do it anonymously. Yes, and this- that's a new feature? Yeah. Yeah. It's a new feature on there Well, that we know about. Luckily, Leanna, the admin, actually found it. I was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. And people have been using it, and I just think it's, a, it's a great, great for a lot of us. So anyways, you know this podcast is for you. 
and about you. And we're so happy you spent some time with us today. Take care. If you want to be the most interesting person at the cocktail party, well, hop on over and listen to the Brain Candy Podcast. Our award-winning content will have you laughing while you're learning. We read all the best articles, books, and studies, and keep up with new TV shows, documentaries, and pop culture. And then we cram it all into two shows a week. Conspiracy theories, cannibal rabbits, unsolved mysteries, the history of the Walkman. There's something for everyone. The Brain Candy Podcast. Find our link in the show notes or simply search for the brain candy podcast on your podcast app